with me, won't you? Father, as we think about the joy of our salvation in these brief moments, remind us of the power of the gospel and the gift of Christ, we pray. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen. Dr. Campolo, a professor in a, in a college far from this place, one night as he was returning home, tells the story of a time when his life, when he had to work in the late hours of the evening, and as he would go home, he would go by a diner. Um, I've been told that Charlotte doesn't have good diners. You have to go to places like Washington, D.C. and San Francisco, and Jim and Sandra say, don't go there. Um, uh, other people are saying, go further north. But anyway, you, you won't find a good diner around here, I'm told, but in this particular area of the country, diners were places that people gathered late in the evening, especially people who worked the streets at night. People you and I would never want to be around. People who had reputations. The story goes, as Campolo tells it, that at night he would come and the short order cook would get to know the customers by name. And there were women who would come in after they applied their trade as prostitutes on the street and they would come and gather and they would share a meal before they would go home for the evening. And as they would come, there would be conversation and he would sit to the side and just listen to these people talk about their life and the difficulty their life was, how dangerous it was what they were doing and how they had no other choice, no hope, no peace, no joy in their life. And so as he was listening to their conversation, he began to pray and ask God might use him in changing their lives. Until one night, one of the women didn't show up, and everyone wondered where, and let's just call her name Dixie. Dixie didn't show up that evening, and so everybody began to talk about, where's Dixie? What happened to her? What's going on? And the short order cook mentioned, well, Dixie's birthday is going to be tomorrow. She probably went to see some family or friends or maybe did something else. And one of the girls said, oh, I wish I would have known it was Dixie's birthday. I would have loved to have done something for her. And Campolo, sitting to the side, suddenly spoke. One of the first words he ever spoke to the group. And he said, I know. Let's have a birthday party for Dixie tomorrow night. And all the people there were surprised but excited at the moment. The thought, why didn't we think of that? Sure, I can get a cake. I know where I can get a cake, one said. Another said, I know where I can get some other things. And we can decorate in here and surprise her. It could be a surprise birthday party for Dixie. I bet, I bet it would be great to do this. And they all were so excited as they left the diner to go in with their, to uh, make out their plans to put together this party for the least of them. After everyone had left the diner, the short order cook grabbed Campolo by the collar and said, Hey, buddy, what are you up to? He said, What do you mean? What's your angle? What are you trying to do? He said, I just thought maybe Dixie could lose a little love and care in her life. Are you trying to get in with her? No, he responded. It's just that I go to a church where I'm taught that God loves us so much that he, he knows how we're not what we're supposed to be. 
and that he loves us so much he did something about it. And because he did it for me, I want to do it for her. I want to show her that God loves her. The short order cook was shocked. Said, what church do you go to? Because I want to go to that kind of church. Christmas is a time to remember that God is not someone who sits in judgment of us. He's someone who sits with great compassion toward the world. He has compassion because he knows this world is broken. He knows that your life is broken. He knows. And he knows that we cannot do anything like Dixie. We feel hopeless and lost and without any peace and certainly no joy in life. And that that is the power of the gospel in that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him would not perish. You see, the truth of the matter is we know we deserve God's anger and his wrath. We know that. We know there are things that we have committed and done that surely have transgressed him and his laws. It is for that reason that when John the Baptist, who, as we learned last week, was sent into the world to prepare the world to receive Christ, when he came into the world, he began to preach this message. You better get ready. You're going to meet God. Did you know you will too? You're going to meet God. And when you stand before him, you, you will not be ready because of what you have done. And so as he was proclaiming this message, people came to him and said, what could we do? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? I talked to one person who said, I'm just going to tell God what a good person I am. And I thought, yeah, what other lies will you tell? Kind of reminded me of the time when I was in seminary. I used to take the old Piedmont Airlines. Y'all are too young to remember Piedmont Airlines. Yeah, yeah, you are. You're too young. It was a great flight from Boston to Charlotte. And, and, and for a student in seminary, uh, uh, paying, paying $98 for a round-trip flight was a really good price, let me tell you. So I'd come home to Charlotte and visit the family in South Carolina and then fly back every once in a while. It was on an evening flight as we were coming with the red eye on that night. And a gentleman was sitting beside me. And he had probably finished his third or fourth mixed drink. And as we're sitting there talking, the obvious conversation turns to, well, what do you do for a living? And, he, and I said, well, I'm in seminary. He said, you, you're in the cemetery? But what? So I'm in seminary. He said, what are you doing that for? I said, well, I'm studying to become a pastor. And he suddenly, in the mid-drinking of his, of his drink, went, <laughs> and he said, he said, you're, you're going to be a preacher? And I said, well, I'm, I'm praying to. And for the next hour, all he did was tell me how good, a, good of a person he was. Do you know how boring that was? <laughs> Do you know why it was boring? Because it was a lie. And yet, the most amazing thing is that when John had those kind of people come to him, tax collectors, 
dollars. Now you you have to you don't think you like the IRS today. You should have been alive back then when a tax collector basically made his money by how much he could get out of your pocket because he had to turn in a certain amount to the Roman government and anything he could clear above that was his. And he did a lot of good cunning. By the way, did you know that one of the disciples who followed Jesus was a tax collector? And Jesus said, come and follow me. And when the disciples heard Jesus, or I should say when the, when the tax collectors heard John's message that you were going to stand before God, what, what, what do we do? John's response was, stop overcharging people. There was another group that came they were just as reviled. They were soldiers. Most likely Roman soldiers. Foreigners who had come to occupy and force their wills upon the population. They heard the message too. What do we do? John said, stop falsely accusing people. Stop falsely arresting people who are innocent. And then it goes on to say, and he preached to them, he encouraged them to hear and believe the good news. What, what, what's the good news? It's not enough to be sorry for our sins. It's not enough. It won't cleanse you. It won't make you right with God. You can be as sorry for your past as you want to be. The truth is, no one can stand before God if they have fallen short of his glory. Just one sin. Just one. And the power of the gospel is that if you repent which is what they heard and John encouraged them to do, and believe in Jesus, you will be saved. Now, what do you mean believe? Just not believe that Jesus lived and died and was raised, or that he was even the Son of God. But to believe in Christ is to acknowledge you will never, ever be able to cleanse the stain of sin from your life. And you hear the invitation that Christ died on the cross so that he could take the penalty, the punishment for our sins, for you. And when he died on that cross, he take, took all of that wrath that we deserved and he paid it in full. And the Bible says to those who hear and believe in him. To those who call upon his name, he gives you the right to be called the children of God. Do you believe that? You see, the reason we have the passage from Isaiah is that I, 
Isaiah was preaching that message of salvation during that time for Ahaz, that God is our salvation, not ourselves. We can't do it. We cannot do enough to be saved. God is our salvation. Ahaz believed this, and Ahaz, you know what Ahaz did? He cut a deal with the two countries, and he became a vassal of another kingdom because he couldn't muster that God would save. And that's why John includes in the passage in Luke that says that Jesus, when he comes, for many he is a, a savior, for others he is like a winnowing fork. Literally, that day, they would take the winning fork as the harvest, and they would take the wheat that they had just cut, and they'd throw it into the air after crushing it, and the chaff would blow away, and the grain would fall. And what they were after was the grain, and the chaff would just be going to the side and later be burned. And that's exactly what the gospel does today. There are people who hear the message of Christ, what he did for us in the cross, and as the the message goes out. Those who hear and just do not trust in Christ are like the chaff. But those who believe in him are like the grain and they are gathered by God as the harvest. Would you, would you like to be the grain? Would you? Well, that's the joy. God says, repent and believe and invite Christ into your heart. And he is your salvation. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, there may be someone in here who has just heard that for the hundredth time, but now it makes sense. For the first time, it really makes sense. And our prayer is that you would give them the joy of their salvation, that they would be able to reach out to you now, and even in the silence of this moment, reach out to Christ and say, Jesus, I understand now what you've done for me, and I want to receive this gift you offer. I want to be cleansed of my sin. I want to walk before you knowing that my salvation is not mine. It is God's salvation on my behalf. And I take your gift and receive you into my heart. And I don't want to walk out of this place changed. Because I know from this moment on, I will not walk alone. I will walk in following you. If you prayed that prayer, we want to know. We'd like to help you on your first steps. You may be someone else this morning who has gone through the motions of Christmas and you've forgotten because of all the tinsel and decorations and presents and pressures that God is your salvation. Would you cry out to him even now? And just thank him for what he's done for you. And remember the joy of what it was like when you first received him and found the cleansing he offers even now for you. But God, however you choose to work in our lives this week, we thank you for the songs of the Christmas season because it is through them we express exalted joy that our God is our Savior. And the 
people of God said together, amen. If you would remind me, um, if you're a visitor here, we have something for you on the table as you leave. And if you'll bring that card that we asked you to jot down for prayer, we would love to share that with you. May God go with you in peace. Would you stand together as we close this service? Singing about joy, about our Savior, about our God, our Messiah. And saying how great is our God. And we're going to go right into the chorus of how great thou art. So let's lift our voices as we leave this place today, worshiping together. The splendor. 